0: Oh boy, we are back again with the Culted or podcast, and it looks like we might have actually two and perhaps three weeks in a row where we have a podcast up and ready to be downloaded and listened to. I can't believe it. My guest host tonight is...
1: Once again, the wonderful Nick.
0: Nick, how's it going?
1: It's going awesome.
0: We should say that we are recording this exactly one day after we recorded the Chocolate War podcast. Today is... Sunday, May 23rd, or at least it, it is for about another 38 minutes. And in 38 minutes, it will be time for me to catch Breaking Bad, because tonight was the Lost Season finale. So that means we have 38 minutes to navigate through the mess that is 2008's Quarantine. That's right, 2008's horror film Quarantine, directed by John Eric Dowdle. And starring once a uh, hopeful youth actor Jay Hernandez, as well as Russian actor Raid Cerveggia, who uh, audiences might remember from Guy Ritchie's second film Snatch, and Greg German from TV's Ally McBeal.
1: <laughs> a little side note, also stars Steve Harris from TV's The Practice, which was also created by the creator of Ally McBeal, uh, David E. David Kelly.
0: David E. Kelly, that's right. As well as Jonathan Sheck, who I believe also appeared in Alley McBeal, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Uh, who who didn't appear in Ellie McPeel?
0: That's a good good call. And it also has Danya Ramirez from TV's Heroes. But well, we should talk a little bit about quarantine. Nah. Uh, <laughs> this film is a remake of a Spanish horror film called Rack or Record, R-E-C. I'm not really sure how you say it. I should say right up front, I've never seen the Spanish original. I don't even know if it's available on Netflix. I didn't even have access to Netflix until recently, so maybe it's in the cards for the future, but probably not because... I, <laughs> But I, I do, I, I am, I have been made to understand that the Spanish original is much better than the American remake, and if that is the case, then, then so be it. I, I, I have no difficulty believing that whatsoever, because Quarantine is not a very good movie.
1: Yeah, I watched this movie earlier today, because I was at a friend's house, and I, uh, we were just hanging out, and she had the TV on, she like randomly put it on, and that, it, that's what it was on. And we just started kind of like casually watching this, thinking, oh, we'll change the channel any minute now. But no, we ended up watching the whole stupid thing. When we were like three-fourths of the way done, I turned to her. I'm like, why are we watching this thing? And she's like, I'm thinking the same thing, but we're this far into it. We might as well finish it. And I was like, good point.
0: I rented this from the Redbox actually, uh, right around the time when it was first released uh, on the video, which would have been like in early '09. I've seen it a couple of times actually because I, I, I saw it that that time when I rented it, and then I saw I've seen it with, again with, with with a friend. I watched it with a friend as well because she had never seen it before. I am a sucker for a good horror movie. It does not have to be. It does not have to look expensive. It can be a cheap, low-budget horror film. You know, I, I eat that shit up, that's like catnip to me, but <laughs> this this movie was just, this was on par with our friend John Pauly's homemade Boy Scout movie. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was not you good. you to listen
1: to this and be like, shut up, Zach.
0: <laughs> oh, John knows I love him. <laughs> we should talk a little bit about the plot of of the film. It opens up uh, with uh, inside of a a fire department, if I'm not mistaken, where yeah. we ha- where we have a television reporter who's played by Jennifer Carpenter, and she is doing like a faux docudrama style. What goes on in in the inside of a of a firehouse? How do firemen live? That type of thing. Think um think like District District Nine, like faux docudrama style, like as if this is happening in real time. For example, think think that style, which seems to be a fairly popular. Style now in Hollywood, you see a couple of films each year released, done uh, done that way. And the the fire department gets a call out to a building, and when they get inside the building, uh, they realize that things are horribly awry. There are some people who uh, are inexplicably uh, aggressive and look sickly and attack the uh, the policemen and, and the fire officers. And then uh, all of a sudden, the building is quarantined by uh, by the Center for Disease Control, and the, there are Government people with guns, and there are G-men and things like that. And then basically the story is about what happens uh, on the inside of the building as these people who uh, for, who have been sick for uh, for uh, for some reason start you know like going cra- crazy and in and, and mutating and biting people, and it it, it basically becomes a uh, a zombie film kind of told uh, somewhat in first person through the through the, the lens of, uh, of of the cameraman who's capturing for some reason the entire film.
1: Yeah, I have to say that I love how throughout the movie these these characters are attacked by these people who contacted this super rabies essentially. But the cameraman is never attacked once, and you think, <laughs> you, 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 with the exception of the end of the movie, but would you think he'd be like the easiest target since he's carrying this lumbering camera around?
0: About how much would you guesstimate one of those large television cameras weighs?
1: Well, unless they're the fancy-dancy like brand new stuff, which is very unlikely given when this film was released and how just the the way how the characters are running around with it, those things they're not like overly heavy, but they're pretty do- they they get heavy enough if you keep walking around with one for as long as this movie suggests the night has lasted. And another thing, this camera must have had like the greatest battery power ever. Ever. <laughs> I mean, I know it's a conceit of the movie. You Kind of have to go go with it, but like that's one of the comments I said to Christy when I was like at her house watching this thing, and I'm like, "Wow, th- that's like the greatest battery power ever!" Because this this takes place over what maybe
0: maybe about, like maybe, six hours, eight hours. Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, even if we suggest that maybe he switched out batteries before um, going to the the apartment complex, yeah, this it lasts. The battery lasts way too long. Right. Uh, it, yeah. He must have, like, the tape being played on, like, super long mode (laughs) to, like, be recording, like, all this so-called footage,
0: but, oh, well. That's just getting
1: nitpicky, I guess.
0: Most of the time, aren't the cameras, like, plugged in through a hard wire into the wall? Not necessarily, no. No,
1: No, that may be old school. Um, Or if it's a studio camera, yeah, but for, like, people who, uh, when, like, you watch the news and you have, like, a lot of those, like, on location, like, when they're interviewing... Like Pat Quinn or something like that. Man Pat on the street, uh, sort of things like that. Then you'll, um, it, it, it's like battery powered
0: That'll be battery powered. I want to talk a little bit about some of the actors in in this film because this film is like a rogues gallery of, of actor of like C-list actors who who were <laughs> uh, who were once promising but have basically done nothing with their career. Jonathan Sheck, for example, who was kind of an up and comer in the mid to late '90s. Uh, when when he starred in movies like uh that that thing you do which was uh, a yeah. a pretty a pretty decent uh tom hanks directed film actually and then the, the aforementioned greg German, who was great on alley mcbeal but hasn't yeah. really done much uh since uh since then He's he's been he's had a few bit parts, uh in a few movies here and there, but he's done a lot of work on uh on television, like he's he's been in episodes of of C S I uh yeah. and, and Ghost Whisperer and stuff like that. And then some other people like Raid Surbegia, who obviously was not gonna was never gonna be a, a household name just be just because he's like this Insane Russian guy, but for a while he was uh, he was the bad guy in like every single movie that, that came out. Uh, he was in The Saint, for example, which was uh, the late 90s uh, remake of, of a television show with with Val Kilmer. A very underrated movie, if I don't say so myself. Uh, he was also in uh, Clint Eastwood's Space Cowboys, and he he was in Memento, the first version of Memento, I should say, the the short film version before it was made into a longer film. So he he actually had a a and, and all, as well as the uh, the aforementioned Guy Ritchie film. So he he had, he had some pretty big roles in some pretty prominent movies. He was in Mission Impossible Two, for example, and he he's actually in Batman Begins as well. But it seems like this is he's really slumming it in in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I don't get it. Who else uh Jay Hernandez we talked about. He he used to be kind of a, of an it guy. Still a relatively young guy, only like 30, 31 years old, but he never really lived up to the uh, the promise that he showed in in early his, some of his early performances, like in Crazy Beautiful, uh, in Friday Night Lights, in Ladder Forty Nine. He hasn't really done a whole lot with his career. He's a uh, he's been in he's been in stuff like nothing like The Holidays, the horrible flop of a movie with John Leguizamo and Deborah Messing, and he was in Lakeview Terrace, the terrible movie with uh, with Samuel L. Jackson and Patrick <laughs> Wilson. So uh, I it, it seems like none of the none of the, this movie's just like a who's who of actors who probably shouldn't be in quarantine, but they're just kind of slumming it because they have to pay the rent somehow. Uh,
1: even the lead character, Jennifer Carpenter, who is probably best known for playing the uh, title character's sister in the popular TV show, Dexter, you could add her probably to that list as well. It's just a bizarre trope, trope of uh, actors they got going on in this this film.
0: Yeah, and the the, the characters don't quite... None of them really quite work. I mean, they're all they're all tropes. There's no reason to, to get attached to any of these characters. At the it seems like
1: they're there just to get picked off one by one. One by
0: one, and that's kind of, that's a problem I have with modern horror films. I've talked about this before on the podcast. Like, take for example the recent Friday the Thirteenth film, which came out in uh, in 2009, in early 2009. There's absolutely zero reason whatsoever to be invested in any of the characters. They're all there to to be to, to be uh killed, stalked and killed one by one. You you're supposed to cheer at their deaths.
1: In, in fairness, that that seems to be like standard procedure for any uh Friday the 13th film.
0: Well, it, it, it's that's true and that's not true. If you look at some of the earlier ones where you have like the Anthony Michael Hall characters or maybe it wasn't Anthony Michael Hall I forget who it was the Crispin, the Crispin Glovers and, and the people like oh. that who were in some of the earlier ones and Kevin Bacon uh, there were some reasons to actually like some of those characters but in, in these new horror films there's no reason to, to actually like or, or get invested in any of the characters at all and I just I have a problem with that and it continues here I mean we get about like Two scenes with, with where uh, where Jonathan Shack actually has a line because he's like dispatched so quickly. Greg German, for example, he plays what like a, like a veterinarian or something like that, I believe, and he's just there to kind of like explain some of the plot. Like yeah. oh, that looks like the symptoms of rabies or something like that. He's kind of like an audience stand-in in, in a way, just to kind of move things forward a bit. And the exposition guy, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. And Jay Hernandez, he's like this this brave firefighter that's that's his trope and like Jennifer Carpenter's character uh, she plays a television reporter a- Angela Vidal she's like one of those reporters you'd see for like a late night friday night dial tv show she, she's like she's a total ditz. she's uh she's you know flirting with the fireman and and you can tell she's only on tv she's only on the show because she's pretty mm-hmm. for, for example so it's just there's there's absolutely no reason to stand behind any any of the characters at all.
1: Yeah, it should also be mentioned that this film, as you mentioned earlier, has like it's a found footage like documentary style sort of thing. It kind of came out in like the wake of what was that movie Cloverfield? Yeah. It came out like earlier that that year, and I almost wonder if it was like a cash in to like cash in on that style, or if it was just coincidental that they were made around the same time. Because there is that there is that like um. That happens every now and again when there's a movie that comes out and there's another one that's extraordinarily similar that comes out like within you know a, a year's time like uh, the Mall Cop movies that came out uh, about a year or two ago. Yeah. The Mall Cops and then like a couple years before it was like Turn of the Century Magicians. Yeah, yeah. with the, with the Prestige
0: uh, and the Illusionist. Yeah. And even going back to uh, Deep Impact and uh, Armageddon, for example. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You do get that a lot. Th- this is just this is coincidence, but that's a good thought though. We should talk about how the film actually performed in America. It, it performed pretty well, unsurprisingly. It opened with with around fourteen million dollars, which is a pretty good number for a a film of this type with with such a low budget.
1: Well, if you look at it, it there's not a since it's done in a docu style, you can get away with doing a lot of low budgets. It's basically one set, not a lot of special effects that's going on. the The actors are relatively, it's a small group, so you don't have to pay them a whole lot so I could see how this movie could get away with a small budget
0: you know what I'm gonna have to give it some some props there because they they could've you know they they could've put a lot they could've slicked it up and CGI'd it up and they chose not to I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna to say that that's a strength of the film we should talk I guess a little bit about the strengths of the film I do think that the atmosphere works uh, in certain places
1: yes and
0: no (laughs) that's why I said in certain places (laughs)
1: I mean, it seems like every time they do something, like at, at the beginning of the movie, where they're all like standing around in like the lobby area, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere the um, that fire just drops from the from like the top floor or something like that. Yes, that worked because I gotta admit I wasn't expecting that, and it's kind of like whoa, okay, surprise there. Other times, like towards the end, when the reporter, the cameraman, and the, and the, the firefighter, yeah, the firefighter are like racing around trying to get to—I guess it was the attic—they're trying to get to. It seems like all the all the rabies zombies, whatever you want to call them, they all had they all suffered from what I call the the stupid effect, where um, throughout the rest of the throughout the earlier parts of the movie, like these zombies are like attacking. Like, these people left and right, and no one can get them off once they, like, leech on you. But then now, at the end of the movie, there's, like, these three characters who are wildly hysterical, one of which probably can't fight off someone her own size, but anytime time these zombies attack, they're easily, like, swatted away left and right.
0: That That's a really good point, and, and we should mention, too, about this film that... Why not just go and lock yourself in an apartment until all this passes?
1: Oh, I think that's what they're trying to do towards the end there. But mysteriously, the one of the people was already in that apartment and had already been affected, apparently.
0: Apparently, I did think it was cool near the end when uh, when they go into the uh, into the room near the the top of the building and and they see like all the newspaper clippings in there and like that. I found that to be actually kind of cool. But yeah, on the whole this is uh this is just not a very good movie at all. It's a it's very ineffective at actually scaring the the audience. I watched this in on the in, in my house uh when I was living in in uh, Naperville. I watched this with with no one home. My roommates were on vacation. In total darkness not scared even in the slightest. I just sat through it, just just barely barely a response to it at all. Like, "Oh, well, okay. Uh, I guess that was Kind of a, I guess, sort of a, a good way to end the movie, but I mean, like, there's there are there are hardly any like uh, jumping out of from behind the you know the, the whatever the corner crap your pants scary moments <laughs> throughout this film at all. It's just it's very just blah. It's just things just kind of happen.
1: You know, you I think you know that I'm not a big fan of horror films. Not that I have anything against them. They're just I don't know. Just I'm not. It's not my necessarily cup cup of tea. But like you, I do like to, every now and again, like to get a nice scare of a horror film. But I, I get, I appreciate more when there's a lot of like tense and anticipation building up. Where you're like on the edge of your seat, like, oh my God, what is happening next? Because I, I think, get more out of the anticipation that of what's going to happen next, rather than the jumping out from behind the bushes sort of thing. And this movie had like none of that. No. Or if they tried it, it, it failed miserably. miserably. It's like, it's just like, they're just walking around, and when something gets scary, it's all of a sudden they're, the ca- characters are just going, Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! For like a minute or two, and that's it.
0: Alright, and can I just say something? Like, You're right, it, this is a movie, and I get sometimes you have to tell and not show, but this is a horror film. And there are there are part there are places in a horror film where you have to you have to forego that and you have to actually show because if you don't then in, especially in a film like this where there is no tension and it's just like uh, some dizzy broads you know saying oh, oh no I'm so scared over and over again <laughs> like that there's you're not doing anything for me you're not doing anything for the audience right and I I want to bring I want to compare that to uh, to Cloverfield. Uh, which I think is the same way. I mean, I, I I don't like Cloverfield at all. I should get that out of the way. To me, that movie is like an hour and a half long of, of a fat douchebag holding a camera and saying stupid things as they run away from a monster. And I, I kind of have that same effect uh, w- with this film as well. It's like this uh, this stupid uh, dizzy broad TV reporter screaming and saying stupid things as they run away from the, from room to room from these monsters. It reminds me of, of Scooby Doo uh, when when <laughs> they when they would run for, run from room to room. They would they would run to one room and they'd open the door and there'd be like a werewolf and they'd run away and they'd run to another room and there'd be Dracula and like every single room had a another monster in it. It's like it gets to a certain point where it's just not scary. Whatsoever. You know,
1: I, I gotta say, people complain about the Star Wars prequels being too much like a video game. When they're running away at the end of that movie, and they're like encountering, you say like, a zombie, a zombie, a zombie, it felt like some cheap Resident Evil type video game, kind of the
0: Dead, or...
1: Where they're just walking into each room and, oh no, there's a zombie, I better beat him up. And it, it's just like, it, it loses its effectiveness. It's not scary.
0: That's a really, 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 really good point. Can and, I... Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, you're right. It, it feels exactly like a bad video game, and that is, that's that's a totally warranted criticism uh, towards the film, and I'm glad that you brought that up.
1: And can I also, along those same lines, the last 28 minutes of the movie, is it me, or could that have been cut down to, like, five?
0: No, you're like, right. After they, be. like,
1: kill hunky fireman number 362... <laughs> And it's just you know the cameraman who mysteriously is able to hang out of that camera,
0: <laughs> despite the fact that they're, the... they're like crawling through a hole in the ceiling. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's just like the cameraman and the the reporter. It, it's like I, it may not be this long, but it's like twenty minutes of the reporter just like hyperventilating. It's You're like right. You don't okay. You could everything that 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 says could have been cut down to like five minutes.
0: Now, there there is a great little low-budget horror film called The Descent that came out a few years ago uh, that's very similar in style to this. It's got a very small cast. It takes place in a, in a very dark place where there's not a lot of uh, room to breathe and room to stretch. And that film is full of, of tense, exciting, nervous, crap-your-pants moments, whereas Quarantine is just it's just bad. It's it's just it's it's terrible. And I I'm thinking to myself, the only people that are gonna be scared by this are, are gonna be like thirteen year old girls and unfortunately that seems to be that seems to be the, the primary audience for horror films these days or like uh like middle school or middle school and, and high school kids and that's just kinda sad to me. So what I would like for somebody to do is to make a mainstream, totally kick ass horror film. Without any stupid little cutesy characters or anything ridiculous like that. Honestly, the last good mainstream R hard R horror film I saw was the Dawn of the Dead remake, and that was six years ago.
1: Yeah, that was pretty good. I remember.
0: And I mentioned the Descent, but that's that is not a mainstream film, so that doesn't really count. This is this was very mainstream. It opened wide. It did well at the box office. Uh, they're they're going to make a sequel to it, or they're in the process of making the sequel to it. However however you want to put it. We needed to get more films that open wide and actually have like uh, like good tense uh, excitement and action and, and horror, and unfortunately, uh, it seems like uh, these days we're not getting those.
1: I wonder how much of it's uh, just a uh, studio decision that like, oh, we gotta stick with the familiar or how much of it's just creative bankruptness
0: it, it's to me, it's got to be a studio decision it, it's everything's financial. And they could make a, a real kick-ass hard R film, but it, it's going to gross ten million dollars. Where they as they make this, and it's going to gross forty million dollars. So it's it's all it's all dollars and cents, and that's that's unfortunate. What we need is some guy with like billions and billions of dollars to just start financing awesome uh, R-rated movies. But
1: <sighs> it's too bad that like I, I'm so happy to see every now and again we have like a big name like director producer like Spielberg who, like, throws his weight behind a small project that he really likes, and it might be a little off the wall, but because something like that throws his weight, it's able to get to a mainstream office, mainstream audience.
0: Well, it seems like J.J. J. Abrams has been doing that lately. So. That's true. Why don't we go <laughs> ahead and uh, cult or can quarantine? Well, Nick, I think that you know where I stand on this film. I don't, I don't think that it's a very good film at all. Uh, I, I really find... Nothing to be particularly redeeming. It's it is a quote horror film end quote, uh, and I <laughs> I put that in quotations because uh, there there was absolutely nothing that scared me about this film at all. Perhaps the original Spanish film Record or Rec or R E C or however however you say it is a more effective film. I don't know, but based on quarantine, I I really don't want to take the time to find <laughs> out. So I'm gonna go ahead and can this film.
1: This film is absolutely terrible. When I finished watching it, the first thought I had was, I want to make a revenge podcast for wasting two hours of my life that I'll never get back watching this film.
0: And now we will waste a half hour of people's time with our podcast.
1: Hey, it's worth it. If we could, if we could like save people from watching this film, I'm all for it. So yes, I have to agree, can this movie...
0: All right, Nick, I think we've exhausted quarantine, and I'm about to go watch uh, Breaking Bad. So uh, for those of you out there listening to the podcast, please check out our blog at cultitercandid.blogspot.com. Let us know what you think of the show. Leave us some reviews. uh, Leave us some comments or some questions if you have questions for us. But for my co-host, Nick, I am your host, Zach, saying thank you for tuning into the podcast, and we hope you have a better one.
1: That doesn't sound like me.